Hello, everyone. It is your host here again, Nathan Rapaka, with the Slice Podcast. I am so happy to be back today with you on this beautiful Saturday morning here in New Jersey. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone is staying safe. Um, for my people out um, in the Northeast and also the South in Louisiana, I want to say I hope everyone's staying safe. Um, God bless you all. Um, I know living out here in Jersey, we got hit pretty bad with the remnants of the Hurricane Ida storm. So I just want to kind of uh, start this podcast by saying my my thoughts and condolences with the families that who have missing family members that that's going on in the family. Um, it's a very trying time here in the tri-state area. Um, so definitely just want to start out the podcast by talking about uh, that and saying, yeah, God bless you all. You know, I'm praying. And uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining with me today. Exciting, exciting stuff to talk about, as you guys know. Um, dude, we're at the U.S. Open. We're all, we're already at the fourth round of the U.S. Open. Today, I think it finishes off um, the fourth round, but we have so much to talk about, right? This has been one of the most intriguing U.S. Opens I think we have seen in such a long time. I mean, it is crazy for me to even say that. You know, coming into this Open, we didn't know whether or not this was going to be um, a great Open, right? You don't have the big stars. You don't have the heavy hitters like uh, like a uh, Roger Federer or a Rafael Nadal. Um, Stan Wawrinka's not playing. Del Potro's not playing. The Williams sisters are out. So it just seemed like it wasn't going to be the best uh, Open um, that we possibly had, right? Because, you know, what attracts fans at the end of the day is the top players and the most popular players. And so far, um, you know, I thought this was not going to be a fun open, but I was actually at the U.S. Open first round, um, for the first time in two years since we finally got fans back. And man, I must say it was one of the most beautiful things to see a packed, uh, Billie Jean Center, a packed, um, uh, Arthur Ashe. It was beautiful to see the fans. It was hot as hell outside. That's usually how the Open goes. It's always hot. And you, I knew right away, okay, we're back at the Open, baby. So excited. We have so much to talk about today. We'll be talking about the big stories of the Open. Um, talking about really a lot of controversy in this U.S. Open. There's a lot of stories. And when there's a lot of stories surrounding a U.S. Open or any tournament, it's always fun to talk about. So we're going to get all into it. So the first thing I want to talk about um, so far is really the upsets, the young talent um, that we're seeing rising before our eyes. I mean, let's talk about the 18-year-olds. Last night, we had a big, big upset night on Arthur Ashe, right? A lot of big upsets, a lot of big matches. So let's start off on the men's side. First off, I want to glaze over Daniel Evans and uh, Alexi Popperin, the young Australian gun. Popperin took a big victory off of Grigor Dimitrov in straight sets. Um, Dimitrov did get injured, though, in the third set and could not continue. And then, you know, he had a two-set-to-love lead against Evans. At Daniel Evans, for people who don't know, he is the number one British player in the world, ranked 24 right now. He got suspended for a year, and his whole career has been revitalized. He came back 
from two sets down and one in five sets. So it was a great story to see Dan Evans come through the breaks and make a round of 16. We saw, we're continuing to see the brilliance of Daniel Medvedev come to display. He is just ripping through every opponent at sight. Same thing with Schwartzman. We saw a great match last night on Louis Armstrong with FAA versus RBA, a seeded match. Um, FAA went up two sets love, but RBA, who's tough as nails as a counterpuncher, came back but ended up losing the fifth set. Still a great match um, on that side. So the first match I want to talk about from last night, Paz and Carlos Alcaraz Garfia, the Spaniard, guys. I mean... Probably the heir apparent to Rafael Nadal. What a match this was. Oh my God. Alcaraz played an amazing first set. And then after that, Tsitsipas, honestly, I thought I played him for two, two and three. The second set, it was very um, Tsitsipas controlled. He, you know he was the third seed. And the third set, Tsitsipas had a double break 5-2. And this has been a knock on Stefanos' career. He's been mostly a choker. When it comes to big moments like this. And man, he had a double break. But Alcaraz fought back and beat him in a tie break. And then I think that really took a lot of the wind out of him. And Tsitsipas just was super aggressive in the fourth set. From forehand, serve. He was hitting his spots on the serve. I think he had like 10 aces in the fourth set. And he ended up giving Alcaraz a New York bagel. Um, In tennis terms, guys, a bagel is just 6-0. But then after that, you know, as a tennis fan, as someone who watches the game and studies the game, I for sure thought, Alcaraz, great job. You're 18. Tsitsipas is going to run you through in the fifth set. Not at all. Guys, when I say Tsitsipas was rolling through his service games in the fifth, he was. Alcaraz was not. I mean, there was so many 30-alls, so many um, 15-30s on the Alcaraz serve, a lot of deuces, I mean, his serve was, like, not even hitting above 110. His serve was not uh, that high of of speed or pace. But he willed himself to victory. And that, to me, at 18 years old, to have that much moxie and already have the maturity to will yourself to the victory line shows me this kid's going to be a dangerous player. He is dangerous on both wings of the ball. He's got a blasting forehand. His backhand is accurate. His serve is going to get it's going to get um speedier as he grows old, right? He's only 18 years old. He looks skinny. Um he's got tree legs though, but at the end of the day, he is going to put on more weight of muscle. The older he gets, he's going to get taller. I don't know if he's only 6 foot 2, which is interesting. He's not that tall of a player, but man, his game really reminds me of Federer. Ultra aggressive, um, always going for shots, trying to finish games fast. And man, that tie break, 7-6 tie break in a fifth set. Um, Alcaraz was, I think, up 5-2. And then he had a chance to uh, win the match on his racket. And there was one amazing point where he hit a drop shot. And the whole match, the drop shot was really setting up Alcaraz for success. Because Stefano Tsitsipas, who's standing so way back, that it gave Alcaraz the chance to hit that drop shot and really make his legs run. And you can see the drop shot after a while was the reason he won the match. Having Tsitsipas run to net, and the more you run to net, the more you're standing behind the baseline, the more it's easier for your opponent to really drop shot you and hit a short slice. And that's what Alcaraz is doing, and he did it perfectly again. Hit a short slice, but then when he hit the lob, 
a lot of people thought it was a winner. Unfortunately, it was, it was I think, long by 9.9 millimeters. It was a very close margin of error. But again, Tsitsipas ended up um, losing his serve again. And Alcaraz won the match. So congratulations to Alcaraz. Um, and let's get more into this topic, right? What do I think about the implications of Tsitsipas? I think it's tough, right? Ever since he lost to Novak, being up two sets to love in the French Open, He's not looked the same. He had a, you know, just a, he laid an egg in Wimbledon to Tiafo in the first round, which is understandable. He didn't have, I think he was still reeling from that French Open final loss. And Tiafo took advantage of that, his mentality. And man, Tsitsipas, I must say, he, he has not been the biggest uh, favorite fan of the U.S. Open and the players. And, you know, we'll get more into that topic later, but Man, something's got to change with Tsitsipas. This is the guy who has struggled at the majors. I mean, he's done so well on tour, but excuse me, but he has really struggled at getting um, a foothold in the majors. And it's really sad to see because he made a big step up in Paris, but now he's made a big step back. So, again, congratulations to Carlos Alcaraz. You know, this is a guy who I think is going to be a Grand Slam champion within the next three years. He's got the game, and we saw an emerging talent last night. Um, and a lot of people are saying that, man, if Tsitsipas did this and that. Uh, but at the end of the day, guys, no excuses. Tsitsipas did not play bad. He played his absolute best, and that's what we got to talk about. Last match on the men's side, I do want to speak on. My God, Andre Rublev and Francis Tiafo. Big foe hitting that LeBron James two-step after the match last night, man. Man, this kid, Tiafo, the culture he's bringing to the sport of tennis is amazing. For those who don't know Tiafo's story, it's a very great story. You know, his family immigrated to America in Maryland. His and his family were literally living in the tennis center in Maryland. And Tiafo became this big junior player. And then he finally got his parents to actually... Um, live well, and he's the really the reason why his parents are living well. He really started from the bottom, and now we're here. And let me tell you with this match with Tiafo, I saw it in the CT Pass match. I saw it in Wimbledon. Tiafo is starting to really find his range. And let, let's talk about this match though. Rublev's a fifth seed, guys. He won the first set pretty comfortably, and then Tiafo stormed back. When the next two sets, he broke Rublev five times. Um, in this match, and man, he was playing out of his mind. Let me tell you, it was a very close match. You know, Rublev won 168 points, Tiafo won 170. Um, but Francis Tiafo, he won the break point. He won five out of 14 on the breakers, while Rublev won four out of 14. Um, it was a very close match till the fourth set. The fourth set, though, Rublev really came back. Tiafo had a couple nervous moments. He's done it in the past where He's double faulted a lot. He had eight doubles today. And, you know, he gave Tia Rublev the fourth set. And again, like the Carlos match, I thought it was over. I thought Rublev was going to win. Not so fast. Tiafo routed Rublev in the fifth set 6-1. Amazing. And this match is as close as it gets, guys. I mean, look at the stats. Rublev had 25 aces. Tiafo had 24. Rublev had seven double faults. Tiafo had eight. First serve percentage identical, 61%. 
The win percentage on the first serve for was Rublev at 70. Tiafo won 72. Win percentage on the second serve, 49 and 49. And the break points won 4 out of 14 and 5 14. So, I mean, very close stats. Um, but again, Tiafo just played uh, more aggressive. He won the bigger points, I would say. The tiebreak was the, obviously the deciding factor. He won the tiebreak. Um, and yeah, Tiafo routed him in the fifth set. Another kid who is coming out of the breaks. And the story of this tournament are the kids, right? The young guns. Not even next-gen guys. Rublev and Tsitsipas are out. Those guys are supposed to be the next big things. And they're already out of this damn tournament. So seeing kids like Tiafo, Alcaraz come through in the men's game, it's crazy to see this because, guys, I'm telling you, the men's game has not been known to be this competitive. There's only four players, or the top five are usually the only competitive ones. Gee, the women's game, we're all scratching our heads. I'm like, my God, what's going on? But I'm telling you guys, the men's game is changing for the best. And then when we go into today's matches, we'll see a lot of the third rounds finish up today. Um, Djokovic is playing Nisha Corey. That is definitely a match to watch out for. I think Novak will win, but again, Nishikori is a fan favorite. And then we have Monfils versus Yannick Sinner. Another really fun match. That can go either way. A battle of the forehands. And we have Opelka versus Bashalavi. Bashavelli has been playing really well. He got a big win against Federer, and he won in the Dubai Open. And then we also have Zverev and Jack Sock, guys. Jack Sock, who you guys don't know about, he's an American man who's been recovering from injury, actually. So... It's great to see Jack Sock doing so well in singles. He was actually a top eight seed and qualified for the Nito ATP Finals a few years ago. So a lot of fun matches today. You know, the draw is definitely open for some young guns to make the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And actually, we are going to see for our round of 16, we're going to see Alcaraz play Goldrich, which is a qualifier. And I think Alcaraz will come through that. I have Tiafo versus FAA. To be honest, I my dark horse is Tiafo. And I think is going to get through that FAA match. And then I think Schwartzman will beat Vandis Shadbin. And then Medvedev will beat Evans. Medvedev has been a machine this whole tournament. Medvedev is not going to drop a set. So those are my real big predictions on the men's side. What I really wanted to talk about. Now let's switch over. Man, women's tennis. Always fun to watch. Um... So, you know, we saw a couple big matches yesterday, right? Muguruza and Azarenka. Azarenka and Muguruza was probably my most anticipated match last night. Muguruza came through, beat Azarenka in a tight three sets match. Um, you know, it sucks to see the women's tennis because there's so many new emerging talent every year. You're just like, man, like there are former champions. Like, for example, if we take a look at the Kerber-Stevens match, guys, those two ladies are former champions. Both are Grand Slam champions, and they're playing in a third-round match. That's how competitive the women's game is. For those of you who don't know, I was there at the U.S. Open day one, and I got to see Andy Murray versus Tsitsipas, and I also got to see Madison Keys versus Stevens right after that. That's like the hottest ticket for a first round. You would never expect the first round to be like, Andy Murray, former Grand Slam champion, Stefano Tsitsipas, current-gen prospect and you have a rematch of the u.s open final you're gonna get great quality tennis my friends and guys it was amazing I'm, I'm telling you the women's game is stacked um 
a lot of great matches on the women's side. But yeah, we saw Muguruza come through. We saw the French Open champion Krechkova beat Rakamova um, pretty easily. Halep had a tough match against Rybakina. I mean, Halep 13-11 in the first set for the tiebreak, but Halep had the um, champion's mentality, and she ended up coming through that match. She's ranked 12 now, so she's definitely dropped a lot from the last two years. We saw Svitvalina beat Kostinka. You know, Svitvalina is always pretty um, machine-like till she gets to the semifinals. But, you know, the Kerber and Stevens match, guys, my God. Sloane Stevens, guys, I'm telling you, she is has, needs to get more respect on her name. I know she lost the match, but Angie Kerber has been on a hot streak since Wimbledon, and she's really finding her game again. So I wasn't surprised Kerber came out of that. She was pressuring Stevens from the back the whole time. So, But again, congratulations to Stevens. She had some big wins in this tournament. So I'm excited to see what she does in the future. But the match I want to talk about, and I think everyone wants me to talk about this match, huh, Fernandez and Osaka. Um, Layla, Annie Fernandez, the Canadians. Can we just shout out all the great Canadians tennis players? You know, these guys are known for hockey, but my lord, these guys are like killing the tennis game. And Fernandez, man, oh my god, OMG. Let me say something about Fernandez. When you look at Fernandez and her body physique, and you look at Osaka and her physique, the first thing you would say right away is Osaka's gonna blow her out. There's no way this girl can hit with Osaka. Guys, I was wrong. Layla Fernandez is another future Grand Slam champion. Another 18-year-old who came out and beat a three-seed. So the whole match, you know, I just felt Osaka was not playing well. I'll be honest. Osaka, as you guys know, has been going through a lot mentally. Um, just has not been the same tennis player since Australia. And... Uh, it's, it's, I don't, I, and we're going to get into the subject later. Um, I'm leaving all the big uh, drama storylines for the last part of the segment of the podcast, but Osaka was very rusty, guys. I mean, 63% first serve, Layla was 80. Um, the win on the second serve was pitiful, 46%. Layla won 56%. Um, a lot of errors for Osaka. She was spraying the ball, even in the first set. I mean, even though she won the first that she rallied, I thought she was not the better player. I thought Layla let her off the hook in the first set because she's unexperienced. And in the second set, I thought Osaka was going to come through and win. But man, Fernandez really took her out. And yeah, and then she didn't lose serve after the second set. Fernandez was rock solid to the last game, pressuring Osaka on the forehand side. She she has power. For an 18-year-old girl, and even her body physique, you wouldn't think she can generate that much power. But man, she was hitting with the biggest hitter in the game, Naomi Osaka. This is a lady who's probably the best hardcore player. When she actually plays well, she's the best. Um, but to last night, unfortunately, uh, just not. It wasn't good for Osaka, and we're gonna get into what happened with the crowd, kind of the demeanor and. You know, guys, I'll tell you this about tennis, man, and I'm not a pro tennis player, obviously, but studying the sport, to be the, the greatest of all time, to be the best of the best, the crowd, you have to really be mentally stable with the crowd, and we'll get into it, but yeah, congratulations to uh, Fernandez, um, amazing run, I can't wait to see what she does, and today, September 4th, guys, we have some big matches, BB Andreescu, 
Um, shout out to my boy Mike Hankey, our probably our favorite women's player <laughs> together. She's playing Minen today in the third round. Um, she is Andrescu had a tough first round, but the second round, guys, she's blowing. She's back, Andrescu. Um, I see her coming through that Kvitova and Sakari. I see Kvitova winning. I see our our, our Olympic gold medalist Benchich to come through Pagula. Swiatek had a scare yesterday, almost lost actually. Um, she'll come through that, I think. And then Pliskova, man, what one of the greatest women's match I saw her play uh, on Friday. She came through from the brink of elimination, but she's playing a tough girl in Isla Tomovic. This is a girl who went to the quarters of the Wimbledon uh, championships, beat Ostapenko. Um, so yeah. Good match, and Vardy's going to come through Rodgers. I mean, Vardy's the best player in the world right now. So, And then, yes, yeah, Sunday, we're going to have an exciting popcorn match. You have Sabalenka and Mertens. Sabalenka's a huge hitter, guys, but she is not that much in the majors. And then we have a popcorn match with Kretschko and Muguruza. And then Fernandez and Kerber, guys, this could go either way. I would love to see Fernandez in a quarterfinals. It would be a great story for the Open. But Kerber has been hot. She's been consistent. She doesn't miss much. So it'll be tough. And to round that out, we have Spitfalina and Halep, which is going to be another popcorn match. Again, the woman's side is always fun because <laughs> so many former Grand Slam champions playing it out. So anyways, guys, that is my recap of the U.S. Open matches. And now let us get into more of the serious topics. The topics that no one wants to talk about, but the topics we must talk about. Okay, let's first start off with Tsitsipas. Um, for people who don't know, Tsitsipas has been getting a lot of flack for taking timeouts, taking so much time over his toilet breaks. Um, and, you know, the U.S. Open fans, guys, if you, if you live out in the greater tri-state area and you're from the Jersey, New York area, you know the fans here are brutal. You are going to be brutalized if you do something shady and a lot of players have come out and talked about Stefano Pass over his toilet break criticism about his gamemanships gamemanships um and it started really against Zverev Djokovic in the French Open he takes eight minutes seven to eight minutes just to change his sweaty clothes guys and a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people want to see this rule change. A lot of people are actually coming out against Tsitsipas. Zverev did a very filtered interview about it. Theme, who isn't even playing, um, he had an interview recently. They asked somebody, said he's done it to me before. So, I mean, it's it's very, um, he's been made the villain, really, for this tournament, unfortunately. And it's sad to see the way people are, are treating Stefanos. But this is what I have to say on the subject. Every player is going to have to change their clothes, okay? The U.S. Open and the Australian Open are super hot, just so you guys know. I'll tell you this. When I was at the Open round one, I was sweating, and I wasn't even playing. You know what I mean? That's how hot it gets. Now, imagine playing at such a speed when you're a pro athlete. It's totally different. You get completely drenched. So I understand players going in the dressing room changing, but... It does not take eight minutes to change your clothes. It never takes eight minutes to change. It takes a person maybe five minutes max you should take to change your clothes. It's not that hard. And that's where the criticism was. And it happened in the first round against Andy Murray. 
For people who don't know, Murray, honestly, he was so pissed off. He had a two set to one leave, and then, you know, he went to the bathroom, CT Pass, took an eight minute toilet break, and the whole match, I think Murray didn't recover mentally from that. That's all he was thinking about, about the Andy Murray match. And after the match, Andy Murray actually criticized him and said, I have no respect for him. He's done this to everybody. Apparently, he even warned his team that he's going to do this. Um, but yeah, uh, that has kind of been the story. And then Murray put out a very degrading tweet on Twitter. And I think this was very wrong. He he, he made a really, I mean, a joke about C.T. Pass. Um, and Elon Musk was referred to it. So, I mean, and a lot of players was really throwing jabs at C.T. Pass, which is sad to see. But... I have to say this. Stefano Tsitsipas has done this in the past. He's a multiple-time offenser. But then again, he's not breaking any rules, guys. You are allowed to take a toilet break. There really is no time limit or an established limit. It's it's usually just come come back in a timely order. But I do think there needs to be a rule where it's like, look, three to five minutes, I think, is the minimum you should take. But after that, you either get a point penalty or a game penalty. Because after five minutes... To, it takes you that long to change your clothes. I mean, I'm just saying, it It, it sounds like gamemanship to me. He did it again against Alcaraz um, when he was down. But again, I think uh, Cetipas is getting a harsh rap. I do think there's a lot of um, things that we don't know about Cetipas, his personality. From what I've heard and around the grounds is he's really not a likable player because he comes off arrogant and prissy. And even C.T. Pass in past interviews has said he has not had a lot of friends over the years due to that. So, I mean, I think it's more than just a, oh, he went to the toilet for eight minutes. People genuinely are not fans of him. And you can see that. But it was really sad to see the U.S. Open crowd boo you. And I'm telling you guys, New York sports is unforgivable. They will boo you out the stadium. I mean, that's just how it is, man. Football, basketball. I mean, guys, this is New York. (laughs) It happens, but I think the rule needs to be changed. I think it is ridiculous for a player to take eight minutes to change your clothes, and it's happened multiple times, so that's why people don't like it. But anyways, I do think some of the treatment is unfair since Andy Murray literally said in an interview in 2012, he went to the bathroom to recollect himself, but again, he only took three minutes to do it. You know what I mean? He was three minutes in the toilet break. City Plus took eight minutes, so it's either this dude needs to go to the bathroom a lot and he probably has a stomach issue and needs to take care of it. Or he's doing some gamemanship. He's It is gamemanship, guys. Think about it. If you're going to the bathroom for more than five minutes and a player is ready to play and he's hot, like Andy Murray, well, I'm telling you guys, he was super hot in the match. You get cooled down. And that's what happened to Murray, unfortunately. He got upset mentally. And, you know, his whole career, that's been the knock on Murray, blowing up, being pissed off. But look. Murray was hot, guys. He was the better player, I must say. And once C.T. Pass came back, Murray was a different player. Even though I do think Murray should have finished that match in three sets, he had a 6-4 lead and a tiebreaker and did not finish it off. And so, again, Murray should have won the match regardless. I don't think it's right for him to completely blame the eight-minute toilet break on C.T. Pass, but it was definitely a factor into why he lost the match. So, those are my thoughts on CT Pass. Next topic I want to talk about, and the last topic we're going to talk about is Naomi Osaka. Okay, I've said this before. I am all about supporting 
athletes, you know, talking about their anxiety, depression, how they feel. And look, Osaka has been like this since the French Open, as we know. But I think her attitude was wrong. Look, when the crowd turns against any player, it happens. Look, it's an 18-year-old girl. She's 18. No one thought she was going to even win a set or a couple games against Osaka. But she surprised the New York crowd. The New York crowd is going to go after the underdog. That is how it's been for years. I'm telling you guys. Even Djokovic, the Djokovic and um, what was it, the Rune match? Rune took the second set because Djokovic destroyed him in the first, and Rune was playing well in the second. The fans started going after Rune. That's just how it is. And Djokovic is the number one player in the world, arguably the greatest player of all time. And they were cheering Rune like, Rune, let's go. And the reason the fans do that, guys, and I'm going to tell you right now the psychology of the fans, they want to see a good-ass match. They want to see a great story at the end of the day. They do want to see, but they also do that so we see Osaka come back and win the match. And Osaka, unfortunately, she's not in a great mental state. And I think she took that as disrespect because the fans her whole career have been supporting her. But they were against her really for the first time in her career, guys. And... Man, the way her attitude, I mean, breaking the racket at the end of the match, not even acknowledging the crowd, she put a peace sign. Very disrespectful. My thoughts on it was this. I think she was a sore loser. I really do think. And Osaka's really got to figure out her game because at this moment, it's looking like the depression, the anxiety is really killing her. I mean... Her mental state, her game is not performing well. I don't know if she has to see someone or take time off. But, I mean, she said in her interview she's going to take time off. But I don't know if that's really going to help. I think also the reason she's not playing well is because she's rusty. She needs more matches under her belt. But it's definitely sad to see Osaka fall from grace right now. I mean, if her mind is right, she's the greatest player in the world right now. Forget about Halep. Halep is a how I mean not Halep. Barty is an amazing player. But the best hardcore player in the game is Naomi Osaka. She's got the serve. She's an aggressive baseliner. She is the new Serena 2.0. But a lot of things are going on. And I think it's sad to see depression and you know the hardships of life being where she is. And even her personality, right? She's a very shy person. Um and she doesn't know. But at the end of the day, you know, it was sad to see the interviews, her saying like, you know, she said in the interview, when I win, I don't feel happy. And when I lose, I just feel very sad. And it, it isn't normal to feel the fact that she said, I feel relief when I lose. When I win, it's like, it. it's weird to say that. And, you know, I could tell something's up and she might take a break for a while, it seems. And she even said that ever since the 2018 U.S. Open final with Serena, she has not been the same player. And it's sad to see that, guys. But um, I hope Osaka, I hope she she comes back stronger. She is the best player. So, anyways, guys, those are my thoughts on the couple matches and the drama surrounding the U.S. Open. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, I, will, I will try to recap, uh, do another recap before the semis and the finals. Um, I'm going to be gone for about two weeks, so I won't be as active on the channel, but you will keep continue to see my social media 
Instagram posting pictures, my thoughts. I'll probably get back to the Insta Live videos. I really like doing those. So anyways, guys, have a good one. And this is Nate again from the Slice Podcast. Bye-bye.